Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fugae to Fugazi. I'm your host, Ian James Wright, and joining me today to discuss Break In from the 1989 Three Songs EP is James Vitito, a longtime fan and musician who has a very interesting little cameo in Fugazi history. How's it going, James? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Um, before we j- we jump into talking about you know you and Fugazi um, and your uh, your very interesting little uh, little step into the spotlight, I wanted to talk to our listeners um, and tell them that you know we had discussed between us how for this song break in it might be better to have a female guest's perspective on the song. Uh, that just didn't come together in time to record this episode. Um, I'd actually love to have more diversity and guests on this podcast, you know, to what extent that's possible. Um, so maybe you, the listener, can help with that. So just to be totally transparent about how I get guests to be on this show, it's basically just two ways, right? One, I try to get in contact with people who have worked with Fugazi or done some kind of project involving them or written about them intelligently or simply people that I know personally who are fans of theirs. Uh, and the second way is that people who listen to this podcast sometimes get in touch with me and say, hey, I'd like to be a guest or, hey, I know someone who would be a good guest. So my theory was that I would get this podcast started and some people would be psyched about it and share it with other people. And that would just naturally generate enough guests to get me through the whole project, which will be like almost 100 episodes. And to some extent that has worked so far. um, And uh, I wanted to thank the people who are, are the listeners to the show who have you know, express interest in being a guest. Although, you know, I am always a little nervous that I'll run behind schedule because I can't find a guest. And just this whole way of doing things has mostly resulted in the guests being white men, which, you know, maybe we have to be realistic about the demographics of the majority of people who are big fans of Fugazi. Um, Or, you know, maybe it's also that white men are like more socialized to think, hey, everyone cares what I have to say, and they're not so self-conscious about jabbering away on a podcast. But either way, uh, I can certainly assure you that I'm not like turning away women or people of color who want to be guests. But maybe if you guys could help me grow the podcast a little bit, it would result in a bigger and more diverse pool of guests for me to draw from. Uh, Again, I don't monetize this podcast. Really, the only interest I have in getting more listeners is that it will actually make it easier for me to get the project done. So there are a few ways to help me with that uh, if you are so inclined. One is you can rate the podcast, which apparently gives it more visibility, or so I understand. So if if you're in Apple Podcasts, um, all you have to do if you're listening on Apple Podcasts is look at the screen of the episode you're listening to right now. Um, you tap the three little dots in the bottom right of the screen, tap go to show, and you just scroll down past the episode list to ratings and reviews. And just like there's five stars, just tap the star rating that you'd like to give. Um, I suggest five stars, but that just my, that's just my bias. If you'd also like to write a review while you're there, that's probably even more helpful. But really, just a simple rating, like tap on the number of stars, that would be great. Second, please tell your friends. If you know anyone at all who likes Fugazi, maybe just send them a quick text with a link to the show. That would be awesome. Um, And of course, finally, if you want to be a guest, don't hesitate to email me. I've already recorded several episodes with people who are just listeners, and I think they've been really great. Uh, You don't have to be nervous, uh, as I was just saying to James here, that you'll say something really dumb or that there will be awkward pauses. It happens all the time. I'm pretty good at editing that stuff out. Um, I really love talking with people about this band, and I do not care if they're notable musicians or whatever. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, this is a podcast by the people for the people. So yeah, that email address, as always, is fugaziA to Z at gmail.com. Okay, thanks in advance for doing that, and thank you for listening, and on with the show uh, with my guest, James. So with that all said, James, uh, thanks for being here. Can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with Fugazi and how you got started listening to them? Sure. Um, my, I, I begin my Fugazi story. Uh, you know, I was in middle school, uh, where I lived. Middle school was seventh through ninth grade, um, and right in the middle, in eighth grade, I started gravitating from uh, heavy metal to punk rock. Uh, this was 1988, and um, I had a friend who had uh, recently moved to this area from DC, and he uh, was a Minor Threat fan. And he played uh, Minor Threat for me, and I was like, wow, I love this. You know, Minor Threat became like a huge impact on me. And, um, you know, at the time, I, I, I was changing from bands like 
you know, Metallica and, and stuff like that to, you know, you know, punk rock Ramones, Meyer thread. Uh, and then a big band was Minutemen. I fell in love with Minutemen around, you know, 1989. Um, and so I had a friend uh, who was a little bit older had said, have you heard Ian's new band? That's how they were introduced to me, you know, and he played me the Margin Walker tape and I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is like minor threat, but meets Minutemen, you know, and I, I was instantly taken by it. Um, and then over the course of the next, you know, a couple of years, I just got more and more into Fugazi to where they were, you know, essentially my favorite band you know, I got into Fugazi in, in, say, around 89, fall of 89. Um, you know, Repeater was the first record I remember coming out, you know. Uh, the first one I pre-ordered was Steady Died of Nothing. Uh, but I didn't get to see Fugazi live until um, 1993 on the In on the Killtaker tour. Um, they actually played uh, – I'm from Kentucky, and they played Lexington, Kentucky in 1991. Um, and I was – my interesting story about that was I knew about the show in Cincinnati, uh, but I didn't know about the one in, in Lexington. And I, at the time I was 15 um, and I was hoping somebody would drive me to this Fugazi show in Cincinnati. Uh, and the person who said that he would take me ended up going to the Lexington show and the Cincinnati show and didn't take me at all. So I was, um, needless to say, I was very upset, but I, I look back on that and I, I kind of, uh, am thankful I didn't see Fugazi at 15 because I was still very much, um, you know, in the more hardcore, more punk rock mindset. I probably would have been one of the people that were, <laughs> that Ian would be calling down. Um, <laughs> so I was thankful that I was able to wait until I was a little bit older. Uh, I was 18 when I saw Fugazi in 93. And um, that first Fugazi show was just like life changing. It was incredible. You know, I remember the moment they came out, the, the the song that opened, I saw Fugazi, um, I don't even know, several dozen times throughout the run. My only regret is I didn't see them more. You know, I wish I could have, you know, if it was one of those things where you, you, you know, you would catch Fugazi shows and you just thought there would always be Fugazi shows. And then all of a sudden there wasn't Fugazi shows. That's so true. Have you looked up in the Fugazi live series archive if they have that first show that you saw them at? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's there. And I've, I've, I've it was one of the first ones I purchased when that became available because um, it was a monumental show. And actually, before we recorded, I listened to the, the Lexton show that I missed. I mean, Fugazi Live was just a powerhouse. It was, you know, they were phenomenal. So in the course of going to see Fugazi Live, I assume that's where uh, you had a run-in with Jem Cohen, I guess? Well, well, all right. So I saw Fugazi in 93, um, and, you know, we hung around at, outside after the venue. Like, when we pulled up, this is kind of funny. Um, we pulled up, we and we parked behind the venue, and we actually saw them walking. And you know, me and my friends were like, we started following Fugazi, and we we like followed them up to the corner, <laughs> and then they left. You know, they veered right to go get something to eat, and we we were like, all right, we can't do this. We can't stalk them. We've got to go <laughs> get you know. So well, after the show, we went around back to meet them, and. Um, you know, they remembered, oh, you were the kids that were following us. Thank you for letting uh, us eat. <laughs> Peace. And we're like, all right, yeah. So, um, and from the first moment we, we met them, you know, they were super friendly, um, very open, very, um, you know, just welcoming people. Uh, and then I saw Fugazi probably about three more times before uh, the show that Jim Cohen was at that was in Knoxville in 1996. Um, and the what happened there was, you know, we pulled up, we were in the parking lot, and I see a, a guy filming train tracks. And he looked like he had a pretty professional camera. And I was like, I say, it, you know, t- to my wife, Mary, who's in the, the film with me, I bet that's Jim Cohen. And as he came walking through, I, I called out to him. I was like, hey, are you Jim Cohen? And he's like, yeah. And he kind of just like seemed shocked somebody would know his name. And, um, you know, and then we just started talking. And as we started talking, he lifted up his camera and started filming and ended up filming about, um, in all, about 20 minutes, I'm told, of uh, footage, you know, of us just rambling on about how much we we love Fugazi. And, and, you know, he would ask us questions. Like, the question that made it into the film was, do you, you know, do you read Fugazi's lyrics? And the answer is, of course. And I mean, that, and that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, pretty you know, much. Uh, 
you know, Fugazi are incredible lyricists. Um, they're very uh, poetic, but they're also, you know, they ha- both Ian and Gee and even Joe, they have a way of saying things in very simple words, but that are very profound and could have a, a lot of meaning. But sometimes, you know, but then again, they have lyrics that are just, you know, just, you know, straight ahead, you know, more general. I don't know how I'm trying to describe that, but but Fugazi is very, um, Fugazi are just phenomenal lyricists. And um, so the question of do you pay attention to their lyrics, of course, I think anybody who takes Fugazi seriously must, you know, take the lyrics, read the lyrics. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of enigma in some of the lyrics. And, and again, that's what makes this podcast so great is diving into the words and figuring out what are they exactly referring to? Is it, you know, is it as simple as it seems or is there more going on underneath, you know? And um, so um, we ended up at that show. Um, it was it was a pretty chaotic, um, violent show, probably one of the worst audience experiences I've ever had at any show. Um, and we ended up on stage, um, during, um, they were pulling people from the front up cause they were getting crushed. And, um, we, along with some other people ended up sitting at the side of the stage for the rest of the concert. And it was just a phenomenal experience, uh, to have, to, to see your favorite band, you know, right in front of you full force, um, it was just beautiful, and all that got captured into uh, the film. And one of the great things about the Knoxville show and instrument is my wife um, quotes the lyric from uh, Promises about touch your hand to the wall at night, and they named that Knoxville section of the film after what she said. And that was that was a very touching moment <laughs> to, to, to when they did that. You know, I was like, I couldn't believe it. And but that also changed our relationship with the band. I mean, for the first few shows we saw, you know, we were fans and they were cordial. But after the they decided to put us in the film, they would call us family. And I don't know, it was we were very welcomed, and we ended up seeing Fugazi quite a few times uh, after that, um, as often as we could. You know, as, as life permits. You know, we, uh, a big thing was going to D.C. to see. Um, Fort, uh, Fort Reno show, you know, you had to do that. Yeah. You know, Fort Reno shows were in particular, you know, um, I, but like I said, um, I just wish I'd seen more just, you know, you know, I'm thankful I got to see what I got to see, you know? Absolutely. Same here. And, and that part of that's online, right? That part of instrument the, yeah. that you're featured in. Yeah. Um, you'll have to send yeah, me the link it, later. I couldn't, I was trying to look for it again. I couldn't find it, but I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so fans can okay. revisit it. Yeah. That's, that's such an amazing experience. Uh, out of curiosity, I was wondering. I don't think I was aware of Jem Cohen until instru- until the point when instrument, instrument was released. How did you know of him before that? I hadn't seen the film, but I knew he 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 donated the word "glue man" to the song. Um, I think that's mentioned in the the liner notes of the record. Um, he had done their gra- you know I'd seen his name in graphics, and then I can't remember exactly how but I knew that he had done video work and I'd written to discord and Amy had sent me a catalog. He had a company called at the time, I think it was called C 100 film. Uh, and he had done a lot of work with, you know, he'd done the Fugazi, um, glue man and he'd done a lot of work with REM and he had some other movies that you could order like VHS tapes. I mean, this was 19, you know, 90, whatever. Um, and I, somewhere I still probably have that catalog. I I didn't order any, um, but I was inquir- I guess I'd inquired about the glue man video. Um, and, and so she had sent that to me. Hmm. Um, but interesting related to this song and Jim Cohen is Jim Cohen. Um, and we'll get to all this, but he did the graphics for the original release of this song when it was the sub pop single. Yeah. So, so let's start talking about it. So break in. Okay. This is the first song that we've covered in this podcast from the three songs EP, which I mean, I for one first encountered it as bundled with repeater on CD. As did I. That's the first way I've ever heard it. Was, right. Um, on I, the CD. That's probably most people have how they've heard these songs for the first time. 
Um, but it was originally released before Repeater came out. Uh, it was released in mm-hmm. 1989 through, as you said, Sub Pop Records. Uh, it was a, mm-hmm. like a collector's edition of 2,000 copies. This was part of Sub Pop's Singles Club. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it had different cover art, as you've described. Um, very mm-hmm. shortly after that, it was re-released on Discord with different cover art, and then after that, packaged with Repeater on CD. Um, yeah, I was I was actually not sure why it was originally released through Sub Pop. This is, uh, you know, Fugazi's, all of their releases are so closely associated with Discord. Um, right. Yeah, do, do you know anything about that? Yeah, I've actually um, talked to um, Brendan about that before. Um, and at the time, there was a, a, a lot of respect, mutual respect between uh, Discord, DC, Fugazi, and uh, bands and labels in the Pacific Northwest, in particular like K Records and uh, Olympia and then Sub Pop in Seattle. And uh, Sub Pop had started their Loser Club uh, single series where they got a bunch of bands that weren't necessarily on Sub Pop to uh, be a part of this uh, singles only release. People would, you know, you would, it was a limited edition membership to be a Sub Pop loser. And you would get a seven inch every uh, month in the mail from from Sub Pop. So they had asked Fugazi to be a part, and Fugazi, you know, felt honored and obliged. And in and, and in doing so, um, you know, Fugazi is very egalitarian. Um, you know, and the idea of something that's limited and exclusive is not necessarily um, in keeping with the Fugazi tradition, let's say. So the the idea was that Sub Pop would have a version and have it out first to their uh, club members, but then Discord would make it uh, permanently available through, um, you know, dis- you know, Discord and the three song seven inch. And like you said, it eventually got bundled with um, Repeater. Um, and you know, my f- I-, I first bought Repeater on cassette um, in in 90, um, 1990. and then um, later that year, I picked up the CD because I noticed it had three songs I didn't have. I was like, oh, I want that. You know, so, uh, you know, and but listening to it, once you get used to Repeater as a record, um, and this uh, happens on several of the Discord releases on CD where they add the singles, you want the record to end where it ended. Yeah. And when it rolls into that next song, sometimes it's off-putting. Um, but, I mean, I'm thankful they did it because it made me aware that these three songs existed. And eventually I did buy the single. And then uh, several years later, I was fortunate enough to stumble across one of the sub pop editions and i bought that you know um that's so true so, what you say especially because shut the door is such an amazing way to end a cd right. or a record um, it's a it's a phenomenal <laughs> album closer one of the you know top tier fugazi songs you yeah. know yeah i um, often think it's a shame like what especially sometimes they'll you know they'll re-release a, a classic album remastered or, or whatever uh, mm-hmm. but then they'll also include bonus tracks on the end and I, I almost always hate that. I'm like, I don't, I want it to yeah. end with a song that I know that the record ends with, and then I want there to be silence, you know. And so that, that's, it's good that I never had experienced Repeater before I got it on CD with the three songs uh, attended <laughs> to it. So I never really minded in that case. But I can definitely see how somebody might feel that way, uh, uh, right. encountering this uh, package that way. Speaking of releases, uh, I should mention, in case I forget, that this song is also on the first demo release. Um, so mm-hmm. those of you Fugazi fans who haven't checked that out yet uh, should seek it out. It's very, I mean, very faithful to the version that ended up on uh, the three songs EP. Right. Um, there are minor differences, but it's really all there, uh, but definitely worth the, worth the comparison. Um, so as far as the song goes, uh, break in, did you want to have the first word on this? What's the first angle we should take on this break in to me is, is a, a pretty cut and dry song. I think the lyrically is pretty clear. It's, um, I described it as a, a consensual r- a relationship gone awry. Um, and how it goes awry there, I, I see it in two different ways, but, um, but it's pretty clear. It's about, uh, uh, a, a sexual relationship that um, goes wrong. This is probably one of mankind's oldest stories, don't you think? Like, right? Uh, yes. There's yeah. love that ends up in an unwanted teen pregnancy. It seems. I mean, it could be a teen pregnancy. It's you know, uh, you know, it starts out. You know, he's happy because she's got skin, and she's happy just to let him in. When he asks, "Will you let me in?" You know, that's it. 
and from a place where they share skin, they say, come inside, you know, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, um, people have started a romantic relationship. It's, you know, and I think that that verse is clearly consensual. Everybody's happy, but there comes a time when the skin wears thin and she's working on another uh, skin deep inside. So what is the skin deep inside? To me, um, I mean, I think part of it is the answer is in the title break in, uh, what is a break in, you know, you, you're forced entry. Um, so is, is the song about rape? Um, I think that's one way to look at it. Um, a lot of people think it's about, um, the other skin deep inside is a, a child. Like, is there, a, uh, has, has, you know, this sexual relationship resulted in, in, in a child and is it potentially an abortion? And so I kind of see this in like the thematically for it to put it in Fugazi speak somewhere between suggestion and reclamation. You know, this is it, it kind of in keeping to, um, some of the other lyrical themes about Fugazi. And that's one of the things I love uh, about Fugazi. I was actually talking to a friend earlier about this, that Fugazi um, boldly uh, go into, and, and, you know, you mentioned this at the top of the show. This is uh, a subject, you know, relating to women and women's bodies being autonomous and, and people, women being in control of their bodies. Um, and Fugazi was at the forefront of being a male voice speaking for women, um, it's a very pro-feminist, you know, they wrote pro-feminist songs. Um, whether or not they want to use the word feminist, uh, I'll leave that for them. I, I don't know if I've ever heard them say that. But it's clear that, you know, Fugazi are egalitarian. Early on, they're speaking out on, you know, gay rights, women's rights, uh, racial issues. Um, and you look, I mean, the, the charities they supported, they, you know, the, what is it, Walker Reed? Oh, uh, Whitman Walker. Thank you. Yes, um, you know, Fugazi are known for their politics, uh, but they, they wrote about, you know, they, they wrote about it too. Yeah. So. It's, it's so interesting, like to bring up, um, suggestion, I would, I'd guess most people who have looked at Fugazi lyrics carefully notice there's some interesting parallels there, right? It's almost the exact same words. <laughs> yeah. Right. The image of talking about skin and entering mm-hmm. the skin as like mm-hmm. as a way of talking about sex mm-hmm. it's it's it happens in both songs it's interesting because one is a gee song and one is an ian song um I, yeah. and so i guess you know one is borrowing from the other it is sort of a creepy way of of writing about about sex which is like a, a classic sort of gee gee thing where he yes, makes you feel it's, it's uncomfortable u- about bodily it's issues. utilitarian yeah it's very silence of the lambs in a way um. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, I mean, but Guy has. I mean, you you look at songs like Latin Roots, where you know, he, he it's you know, this is your parents' bed. It's a great place to be laid. You know, uh, he's very blunt about this in in a way. But like you said, it's very, it's it's a, in a stark way. He's not afraid to to mince words. I mean, they're punk rock. I mean, it's yeah. You know, and this is a very punk rock song. You know, it's one of the most hardcore-esque Fugazi songs. You know, it just comes in out of the gate, blistering. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I was going to say, it, it almost sounds a little generic. Like, it doesn't have much of that, of the Fugazi hallmarks, except, of course, from Guy's distinctive vocals, which really elevate mm-hmm. this song. Um, well, and it, also the way the Guy and Ian interplay, it, you know, that's a phenomenal trait in Fugazi songs when they trade off. And the way that, you know, Guy's voice is so on, but then you got Ian coming in with the break in, you know. Yeah, that's a nice interlude. And uh, speaking of Guy's delivery, I just, I had to give it up for just the delivery of the final word of the song when he sings covering is amazing. Like, that, yep. <laughs> what what an amazing way to sing that word. <laughs> it's so, it, I mean, it just says it all. But that last verse, um, you know, I think that's the key to this song. Uh, and I think it also ties into other Fugazi songs, other things they were thinking about. You know, he wonders, "Will my money will it cover me? Cover for me? Can you know? Can can I stay outside and let it cover for me? She can't get outside; she's the covering." And if you think about, you know, the sex act, uh, the woman's the covering. You know, it, she's being entered, the break in, the covering. It's just it paints a really clear picture in in simple words, but it's very to me, it's poetic. Yeah, I, you mentioned the title line before. That's that's the line for me that always gave me trouble because I I agree. Like it does seem like it's about 
just a consensual sexual relationship, but simply the title line break in. I'm like, well, what does that mean? It is, it is a bit rapey. And my thinking on it was, you know, I, I look at that line. She's working on another skin deep inside that the, maybe the woman has um, grown tired of the relationship. She's not as interested. And so she's moved on. She's found someone else to, um, you know, that she's interested in. And the male has, uh, you know, it resulted in, in a forced, you know, rape and that, you know, the break in is his rejection of her trying to leave him. So, um, you know, he's, he's raped this woman because he, she, you know, you can't leave me. So I'm going to do this to you, you know, uh, which is what rape is. It's a power, you know, it's a, a way to assert power over someone. Hmm. And so that's the break in. And then the person has their money to, you know, you know they they're they're wealthy enough. Um, you know there's been many cases in the media where people of wealth rape or or, or have horrendous crimes, and but they have very light senses because they have the money to uh, hire the right lawyer. You know, or or they they have such an upstanding, you know, quote unquote reputation in the community they get by with, you know, the crimes they've committed. Uh, wealth and the the power and privilege that comes with wealth was something that Fugazi was uh, very keenly aware of and they wrote about. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to that, the song presents a little story. It's not explicit mm-hmm. about how the speaker feels about that story, right? Um, I mean, I think if there is a statement here, it's about the unequal footing of a man and woman in this situation, right? The man who, I mean, at least if he does have money, he can relatively easily separate himself from the relationship, uh, you know, either, you know, paying for an abortion, paying child support, whatever, but the woman cannot simply step away. It's not that simple. So in that way, even though it's not explicitly uh, pro-choice or making a statement like that, it is sympathetic to women and implicitly says to me that men should allow women the latitude of choosing for themselves because they're, uh, they're more involved in it in a more intimate way um, and they, they can't simply step away. I agree with that. I, I think that's true. I, I should say before I forget also that um, I, I had read elsewhere, there's a book uh, called Dance of Days by Mark Anderson right. and Mark Jenkins. Yeah. A little snippet from that is that I thought was interesting where it describes a show where Ian introduced this song as, quote, about teen pregnancy. But then in an, mm. in an interview afterward, with the fanzine Nomadic Underground, um, Guy clarified that uh, he said, quote, when Ian said break-in was about teenage pregnancy, he probably should have said, this could be about teenage pregnancy because it could be about a lot of things. It certainly means a lot of different things to me. So I thought that was very interesting. And we should like just have that proviso as we continue to talk about this because I, I personally well, am not sure what else it would be about, um, but... Uh, apparently, uh, there are some other possibilities floating out there. An interesting aside to this is, and I'd mentioned this to you when we first started talking. Uh, in 1998, I was in a college. You know, I went to a college in Kentucky that's a, a small liberal arts college. Uh, it's it's uh, it was founded in 1855 as an abolitionist college. Uh, it was one of the first colleges in America, or I think it was the first college that uh, was integrated. Uh, and um, when I went there, it was um, it's known for tuition free. Uh, it's uh, you work on campus and uh, all your uh, education is paid for. Uh, and it's called Berea College in Berea, Kentucky. Um, and if people want to look it up, it's a, a phenomenal college. Uh, but anyway, the point was I, I took a women's studies course my senior year, and I wrote uh, I did a zine. Uh, about uh, men in punk rock and and, and pro feminist thought in punk rock, and I actually tried to interview Guy about this song, and um, I also tried to talk about suggestion and uh, what was the other one? A oh, reclamation. Uh, so, but anyway, in in Guy is so um, I've never encountered anyone who least likes to talk about their lyrics uh i went back and and i, I hunted that down because i thought oh it's giving me some kind of insight you know i can't remember i remember talking to Gee, but i can't remember what he said and then when i looked it up i was like oh he didn't say anything uh he left it up for the he, he says he you know his statement was he felt like the listener could interpret 
the um, meaning from the lyrics. And I think that's very typical Guy. Um, you know, he does not, um, you know, he doesn't like to divulge. So uh, your statement from, you know, about him saying it could have other meanings, I think that's very, you know, Ian's a little bit more open to talk about uh, what a song might be about, um, though he likes to mesh different ideas into one song. Um, but I, I, to me, I think the lyrics are pretty clear. Um, it's, you know, like I said, a consensual relationship gone awry. Um, I, I did do some research into seeing when this song premiered uh, live. Um, and I'm, I don't know if you're ready to talk about that or not. But Yeah, um, what did you find out? So, all right. So Break In was first debuted in Washington, D.C. on uh, October 16th in 1987. It's a show where Fugazi opens for Kingface. Um, it's Guy's first vocal solo performance mm-hmm. uh, of anything. It, it, so this song is his his entry into Fugazi. It was their fifth show. Um, so re- you know, really early on. They, I mean, their first show was September of '87. So you're a little over a month away, and he's debuting his first lead vocal. Um, I was wondering if you know there was any kind of uh, you know, uh, build up to the song. So I went and listened to the show and of course nothing It's just, you know, um, jumps right in. Hmm. Um, but I found it interesting that the song is a minute and 33 seconds long. And then I looked up how often Fugazi played break in live. And it was exactly 133 times on the current Fugazi live series. Hmm. Now there's some shows not on there, so there's probably played a few more times, but I thought it was a great coincidence that 133 times in the song's a minute and 33 seconds. I thought that was a nice little aside. And interestingly, it was on the set list of the final Fugazi show at the Forum in London in right. uh, November of 2002. They played it. Uh, again, no introduction. They just go straight into it. But, you know, um, the performance of the song, like you mentioned on the... Uh, demo it, it you know it's pretty much set right out uh it, it's a to me it's a almost like a hardcore song it's you know it was obviously very uh set it reminds me of some of the early fugazi songs like uh, turn off your guns or in defense of humans um but those songs tended to fade away you know turn off your guns was played several times early on but just kind of disappeared from the set uh in defense of humans wasn't played all that often but this song you know, held on uh, all throughout the run. I mean, it was played the fifth show and played at the last show. So it obviously had, um, the band liked it. Yeah. Um, I did find a relevant interview uh, with Guy on Pitchfork where he talks about this. Mm. Um, He says, Ian was the main voice when the band first started, but I think the idea was that it would be kind of loose. And that was the spirit in which they asked me to be kind of in the band a little bit. Like, I ended up singing this song Break-In with them singing lead, and then there's almost kind of this Flavor Flav role where I would sing backups and kind of just fuck around on stage. And the interviewer asks, Break-In, was that early? And he says, yeah, Break-In was really early. At a certain point, our sound guy, Joey P., took me aside and said, look, if you're going to be in this band, develop your role or get serious about it to some degree. So uh, there's a little shout out. That's a name that you'll see if you uh, peruse a lot of the Fugazi Live archive, uh, Joey Picuri. not sure exactly yep. how he pronounced it, but yeah, apparently, right. <laughs> apparently he really encouraged Guy in those early days to um, to step up, sing lead, and I guess that resulted in this early song. So that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, good for him because <laughs> I mean, Guy, Guy, you know, Guy was phenomenal in in those early shows. You know, Ian, well, even early on, Ian had this idea of the band being fluid that people would come in and out. Um, they often they had to have people sit in with them for a song or two, and then you know, at the end, Jerry was. Jerry Boucher uh, joined the band um, on live and recording, but you know, uh, you know, Guy was just kind of like that. He was kind of just like there as a like a hype man, and then this song kind of changed that. And of course, Repeater changed that. He picks up the guitar and starts playing more. And uh, to go back to something we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. which is the um, talking about sex in terms of. Uh, sharing skin right the line from a place where they share skin Um, this seemed to me reminiscent of um, Plato's symposium 
I, I read some, but it's been a long time. <laughs> so to, to recap for listeners who, uh, for whom it's been a long time or who never read it, this is, um, I guess they describe it as a dialogue, but really it's a series of speeches almost where um, uh, in it's set set in ancient Greece with some real characters who, who really lived. It's, it's sort of a drinking party where each person in attendance is asked to give a speech in praise of love. And one of the people there is Aristophanes, the playwright, and his little segment of it is almost like a satirical fable. Um, he relates the story of how primeval people were once kind of like two conjoined people, two faces and four hands and feet, etc. And they were really powerful and they represented a threat to the gods. So Zeus decided to cut them all in half. Um, so relevant quotation here says, After the division... The two parts of man, each desiring his other half, came together, and throwing their arms about one another, entwined in mutual embraces, longing to grow into one. They were on the point of dying from hunger and self-neglect, because they did not like to do anything apart. And when one of the halves died, and the other survived, the survivor sought another mate, man or woman as we call them, being the sections of entire men or women, and clung to that. They were being destroyed when Zeus, in pity of them, invented a new plan. He turned the parts of generation round to the front, for this had not always been their position, and they sowed the seed no longer as hitherto like grasshoppers in the ground, but in one another. And after the transposition, the male generated in the female, in order that by the mutual embraces of man and woman they might breed, and the race might continue. Or if man came to man, they might be satisfied and rest and go their ways to the business of life." So ancient is the desire of one another which is implanted in us, reuniting our original nature, making one of two, and healing the state of man. So there you go, sharing skin in uh, yeah, ancient Greek sh- philosophy. That's hundred percent sharing skin. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. I mean, yeah, I think that totally ties in. And who knows? Maybe he was. Maybe he had that in mind. Maybe. Um, partially, when I was thinking about what he's doing and writing this song. Um, I started to notice that it's almost like he's playing a game with the lyrics here where he's trying to get as much mileage as possible out of a few words. So you notice there are a lot of words in the song that are used in multiple ways in different places in the song. So skin is one that's that's used a lot, right? Skin um, Mm -hmm. represents maybe in the first line, she's got skin. Maybe it represents her attractiveness. Um, then right. from a place where they share skin, it's representing sexual intercourse. Uh, and then, of course, right. um, she's working on another skin deep inside. We already theorized that, that could be talking about uh, that she's pregnant and generating a mm-hmm. fetus. Uh, there's there's a time when, when the skin wears thin. Um, that's a line that, you know, to say somebody is thin-skinned uh, can, can, mm-hmm. can mean that they are short-tempered. Uh, I also had a theory that this was a line that could be referring to a condom breaking, a condom sometimes referred to as a lambskin. So, so that could be what resulted in the pregnancy here. Um, so, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many ways that skin is used. Uh, let's see. Another one like that is there is this inside-outside duality um, that's mm-hmm. used a lot, right? Um, the the male wonders, can I stay outside? And let my money cover for me, whereas the woman can't get outside. Um, and you know, in the beginning, there's a rather explicit line: "Come inside," which right. come inside. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a welcoming. It's like, come on in. Yeah, or, yeah. It, it could it could be a welcoming line. It could be a more explicit sexual line. Uh, I don't know. It's right, it's a little right, uncomfortable, right. Um, but it's it's just another way to emphasize that's, that like that's repetition. The way he is. Yeah. Also, the the yeah, word come inside deep and in, <laughs> yeah. well, it's gonna say come inside deep inside, yeah. stay outside, get outside. Yeah. The word cover is also used a couple of different ways. He's wondering if his money will cover for him, um, whereas the woman she is the covering, like a more literal covering of right. the of the fetus, um, et cetera, et cetera. So so that's that's kind of my theory of Guy writing the song. He's like, let me see how many different ways I can use these common words. And have it form a interesting cohesive uh, story. I think that's a very gee thing to do because he 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 loves wordplay. Did I yeah. mention that Jim Cohen uh, did the uh, cover for the sub pop? I mentioned that. Oh, you mentioned it, but we uh. we forgot to elaborate on it. Uh, do you have anything more to yeah. say about that? 
Well, not not a whole. Well, the the cover is rather interesting for both Sub Pop and Fugazi. It's you know, it's a, a sleeve of vellum uh, printed over top of like a, a beige insert with the the lyrics letter pressed onto the um, um, uh, sleeve uh, or j- the jacket for the seven inch. I don't know. Um, you know, Jim was very involved in. Uh, he was, he, you know, he's the reason Fugazi covers got very interesting. You know, if it wasn't for him, they might have all looked like, you know, 13 songs. Fugazi was very intent on the music. I mean, Fugazi, to me, uh, there's a, you know, on the end hits, there's committed to excellence. Fugazi were absolutely committed to excellence. Right. Um, and they pushed things, you know, but, but their focus was on the music, on the songwriting, on the shows. And the graphic end of it wasn't necessarily in their wheelhouse, maybe. Um, you know, Ian had always had Jeff Nelson at Discord to, to be the phenomenon of, uh, you know, all the graphic stuff. And so with Fugazi, it was Jim Cohen who was pushing them forward, you know, and, and you know, he did it in on the Kill Takers graphics. And in many ways, he was uh, like a, you know, a fifth or, you know, they had several fifth members of the band. But he was definitely, um, you know, very instrumental in, in getting them going. Aha, uh-huh, no pun you know, intended. As, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that cover, that first sub pop cover, it's it's really mm-hmm. weird. It's like it's four like sketches of four people's heads. Mm-hmm. They do not appear to be but the members of Fugazi. They're not Fugazi. No, no they're not Fugazi. <laughs> uh, looks like one of them is a woman. I think. Um, yeah, one, yeah. W- the one is clearly a woman. I'm not sure what it's supposed to represent. You know, I I don't know. When you peel back the vellum. On the actual printing, uh, there are pictures kind of uh, superimposed in these little circles. And even though you can't really make them out, there's one in the bottom left to me clearly is uh, a silhouette of Guy. And I think behind the little hand-drawn faces on the vellum is uh, uh, negative images of fugazi members yeah yeah i can almost see that um if you have a more like a clear image of that um maybe you could send it to me and i'll i'll share it with the listeners somehow i I, you know i don't know what they were i mean i do know that you know they were very honored to be asked uh to be a part of the sub pop series uh a lot of bands that they liked and and felt like um camaraderie with had already you know, we're participating. It was the December. It was like the Christmas edition. So uh, Sub Pop, it was the final one of the year. Um, so obviously Sub Pop was very pleased, you know, to have Fugazi on board, um, you know, to be their their final and, and also their holiday edition. You know, like, you know, and I, I could only imagine being a Sub Pop single club member in, you know, your final one, you're getting Fugazi and, you know, three new songs from Fugazi. I mean, it was, it's got to be amazing. Well, let's talk about ratings then. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? So you've heard the show. We ask our guests to assign a rating to this song, uh, just relative to the rest of the Fugazi catalog, which is, of course, you know, above all other music. So right. even a even a poor Fugazi rating is a pretty good rating overall. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you think you would give Break In? I've been thinking about this a lot because, um, as you said, you know, Fugazi songs are uh, heads and tails above most songs. And I found it very interesting listening to your show, what people will venture as their least favorite Fugazi songs. And I'm shocked when they are like some of my favorite songs. Uh, but as in the Fugazi canon, I find it very hard to give anything a one or a two. But that being said, I feel like break in is kind of a, um, it's just a middle of the road song. It's, it's not, it doesn't have anything with it that would elevate it up into the upper echelon, but the band clearly loved it. They played it a ton of times. Uh, so I'm going to give it a solid three. Uh, I think it's a good song, I, I, uh, but it's, you know, it's not one of the ones I would tell people to come, Hey, check out, you know, if you want to listen to Fugazi, there's other songs I would recommend first, you know, yeah, I mostly agree with you. Um, I was never... Fugazi, for me, the the side of them that was hardcore punk was never really the mm-hmm. draw for me. That wasn't my favorite right. stuff about them. 
Um, so yeah, that's my personal bias. Um, so all, all the songs that are like this, even when they're done well, you know, um, the songs you mentioned before, Great Cop, et cetera, et cetera, all yeah. the other hardcore songs, yeah. um, they're just never going to be top tier for me. Um, I, uh, although, as I said, um, it, this is a well done example of it. Um, I, I do, again, love Guy's vocal, especially at the very end. Um, it's right. uh, it, it has great value also as just this early artifact I, of Fugazi. Um, the the way the song closes is what elevated it up for me. Yeah. It's such a great end of a song that I'm like, well, I can't give it a one or a two. It, it's got that ending, yeah. but, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. All things considered, I'll go two and a half. Um, pretty, okay. pretty close. I, but I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For, uh, all right. For reference, cause people have been mentioning like a song that took me a while to like, uh, for Fugazi, one that didn't instantly grow me, uh, was floating boy. Um, you know, I heard floating boy for the first time live and didn't really, you know, it was, it was, it's, you know, it was kind of seemed meandering at first. Um, like I didn't, you know, I didn't know it, you know, it was presented in a live setting. And then when I did hear it on record, it just took a while for that song to grow on me. And of all the Fugazi songs, that would be like my lowest tier. But even then, you know, it's, I don't know if I could give it a one star. <laughs> so for just, further it, reference, uh, what's a song that you might give five stars for Fugazi? Oh, sh- man, there's so many. Like, um, well, Shut the Door is, is you know, top tier. Um, early stuff. That, I mean, there's songs I still listen to. I've heard thousands of times that give me goosebumps. You know, Give Me the Cure or Suggestion or even, you know, I love like Cash Out or um, Epic Problem. When it when it kicks into the um, rocking part, you just, you're, I just, I'm right there with them. I'm like, yes, this is... Mm. Well, uh, James, let me give you a chance to do some plugs. Where can listeners reach you? Do you have projects coming up, stuff you're into? Uh, what should we check out? Well, if people are interested, uh, I'm on social media. Uh, all my social media, for the most part, is under Vita Viva, uh, which is actually a Fugazi reference. Um, people ask me all the time, where does that come from? It comes from life and limb. They don't say Vita Viva, but my name is Vita To, and Vita is life. And Viva, 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 I just turned it into Vita Viva. Um, but uh, I'm on you know, social media as Vita Viva. I do graphic design work if people are interested. And I also play in a band called Verstarker. Um, we've got a we've got a record out. We were actually working on uh, another record, but this year has kind of you know set everything aside. Um, think plans were were all halted. So hopefully that you know we get back to um, you know back into the saddle and, and and get going. But we're on Bandcamp or or all the streaming services. Um, we had a record called Activitate. Uh, and actually, our last show was playing with uh, Brendan and Joe in Mesthetics uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. So, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, things improve, this disease, this virus gets defeated, and we can all get back to playing music, and hopefully venues survive. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the possibility of seeing a Co-Ricky show, um, you know, more Mesthetics music, uh, see what everybody's working on. Um, and then hopefully, you know, um, the band I'm in will will be able to to do what we were planning on doing maybe in 2021. You know, yeah, that's great. Did you have a chance to talk to Brendan and Joe? Did they remember you from the Fugazi days? Oh, oh yeah. Um, the, you know, Fugazi ended uh, in 2002, and I didn't see. You know, I, I, I did a show with Joe in 2005 uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, um, and got to hang out with him. But I didn't see Brendan again until Mesthetic started touring. Um, and then since that time period, I've, I've probably, um, I've been able to see Mesthetics, uh, four or five times, saw the MC 50, uh, a couple times. So yeah, uh, Brendan did not, Joe remember me instantly, but we'd seen each other in the interim. Um, you know, Brendan had a moment where he, he's like, you look so familiar. And I was <laughs> like, but you know, I'd, I'd age, I mean. From 2002 to uh, what did they start? 2018, I think. You know, it'd been it, you know several years. I'd, I'd put on some weight, my hair thin. You know, um, yeah, time makes yeah. fools of us all. Yes, yes, but you know, 
but since then, you know, it's it, it, we picked up like it nothing. Had, you know, time had never went by. And like I said, they're super warm, inviting people. They're they're top notch people. Everybody in Fugazi, um, you know, and it's like the lyrics in this song or the lyrics in Suggestion just illustrate. You know, they are thinking about others as much as they're thinking about themselves. Uh, they're communal. They're they're responsible. They're moral. Um, and you know, they're not to put them on a pedestal. It's hard not to with Fugazi because you know they seem perfect in every way. They're human. We all have our faults. We all you know, but but they really try to work against those. And to address something you said at the beginning of the podcast about you know a female you know a female voice uh, replying to some of these songs, you know, Fikazi felt it was important as, you know, to use their white male privilege to spotlight problems, you know, created by white males. And I think really for, to make things change for the better, it's going to take people who are in positions of privilege to speak out, uh, you know, counter to their own privilege to call people out on, on things. And I think, you know, right now what's going on in our country, you know, speaking in, in June of 2020, with all the situations going on, it's time for, for people who have a conscience, who have a moral feeling about the way this country is. They need us. We need to speak out. We need to be making our voices heard. We need change. You know, in the instrument, there's a line where, where Guy talks about, I think it was an instrument. Uh, maybe I read it somewhere else, but Guy talks about protest music had been around for 30 years and things hadn't really changed. And, you know, here we are in 2020 and we're fighting the same battles that people were fighting in 1963 and 1968. We should not be making that same fight again. You know, it, it's time for people to do something. Um, and in Kentucky, you know, you know, we're one of the frontline places. I mean, is it? And so, you know, even though I live in a, a fairly rural, you know, normal sedate kind of place, it's important that, you know, where we are, we make a stand for what's, you know, right and just. Yeah, well, that's all very well said, and I'm there with you, and I hope our listeners are too. Um, you know, that said about protest music, I think it might not seem um, often that it does anything in the moment, but given time, man, who knows? Like, you know, people who grew up listening to Fugazi, who knows how that influenced their point of view for life and has created just something in the generation um, that is that has grown up now? Um, there there might be things that move in unseen ways, and uh, that's that's something I hold out hope for at least. So, um, listeners, I'll put the link uh, in the show notes to James Vitito's band. Uh, and as for me, as always, not many plugs that I have other than that you can reach me at Fugazi A to Z at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, The Alphabetical Fugazi, say what you think about break-in, and please join me for the next episode when we will be discussing Brendan number one. Until then, keep your eyes open. This is my last thing.